Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you go ahead and be turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We are in the series, Walking with God. How do we walk with God? And we established that principle that is said three times in God's Word that God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Let's say that one more time. I think we need to get that down pat. I've said that for about 10 weeks in a row, so we ought to be able to know that verse, all right? That God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if we're going to walk with God, we're going to have to have a humble heart. If we have a prideful heart, God is going to resist us. God is going to oppose us, even though we are his children. And we looked at two examples in God's word of where pride caused God to resist someone. One was a pagan king named Nebuchadnezzar who became full of pride in his heart, thought he had accomplished so much and done so much that it was all him and not anything to do with God. And God caused him to lose his mind for seven years. He thought he was a beast looking out eating grass like cattle. And he did that until he recognized that only the God of heaven, the most high God, was the real God who had done all things. And he gave glory to God and he was reestablished in his kingship. And we also saw a righteous king, righteous king Uzziah over Judah. And he was blessed in so many ways as he sought the Lord and continued to follow the Lord. But then something happened to him. Pride crept up in his heart, even though he was this righteous man, causing him to think that he could take on the role of the priest and go in and and burn incense on the altar of incense, even though the priest, just like God said, opposed him and said, you cannot do this. This is not your job, not your responsibility. He goes on anyway, and he's struck with leprosy, and he has leprosy until he dies. All kind of things. He pays the price because of pride in his life. But both of those examples were in the Old Testament. So I thought it'd be good for us to look at a New Testament example. And there's no better example for us than the man, the Apostle Paul. So we're going to focus in on the Apostle Paul and what he teaches us about humility. Now the Apostle Paul, as he's writing, he writes so much in the New Testament. All those letters he writes... But the most personal letter that he has is 2 Corinthians. If you want to know what's happening in Paul's heart, if you want to know what Paul thinks about things, the struggles he has, if you want to know anything about Paul personally, you need to focus in on 2 Corinthians. I just challenge you to do that this week. Just go read 2 Corinthians, and you're going to understand a lot of things about Paul. He's going to open up his heart to you and let you see some of the struggles that he has. But here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he teaches us, an important principle that he learns. And this is what he learns. He learns that humility, that humility is not only the fact that how is God is going to be able to bless you, but the humility is absolutely necessary to be useful unto God. To be useful unto God. Okay, get that in your mind. Not only if we're going to be humble are we going to be blessed by God, But the only way we can be useful in the plan of God and in the wisdom of God is that we would be humble. And Paul had to learn that. And he shares with us what he learned. 
Two things I want you to write down that are very important. Two statements, if you take notes, two truths that you need to get out of this, all right? First statement, it is one thing to be made useful, all right? That's the first statement. It's one thing to be made useful. And how are you made useful? How am I made useful? Paul's going to tell us we're made useful by being redeemed, We are redeemed. We're bought back by God. We're forgiven of our sin. We're made into a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are now a part of God's family, and we can be useful in the kingdom of God. We can accomplish that which God has called and ordained for us to do. All right? How is that? Because we were redeemed and forgiven. Listen to me, friend. If you're going to be useful in the kingdom of God, if you're going to fulfill the purpose God has for you in your life, you're going to need to be redeemed and forgiven and reestablished, made a new creation. You need God to do that in your life, and you will be made useful. That's the first thing. The second thing, we'll come back to that in just a minute. The second thing is this. To stay or remain useful is another thing. It's one thing to be made useful, but to stay or remain useful is a totally different thing, and that is by humility. You're made useful by redemption. You're staying useful by humility, and that's what Paul is going to help us to understand. Let's talk about that first thing. Paul knows that if you're going to be made useful, you have to do that by redemption, by redemption. And he tells a story in the Bible, you, you heard the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon, I want to turn there for just a minute. It's interesting. It's the shortest book in the, in the New Testament. It's a story, a letter that he writes, Paul writes, to this friend of his named Philemon who lived in Colossae. You, you can read that story when you get home. But just to remind you about that story, the reason that he writes the story is he's writing the story, he's writing this letter to Philemon on behalf of a man named Onesimus. Now, who was Onesimus? Onesimus was a slave. He was a slave who was in the service of Philemon, who was a Christian and who was a believer, a fellow believer with Paul. Onesimus was this slave, this servant, but Onesimus didn't have a relationship with God at all. So what did Onesimus do? He ran away. He became a runaway slave. Now, to be a runaway slave meant that if they found you, that you could be killed immediately. So if somebody was going to run away, they were going to run to some place that wouldn't be easy to find them. And where did Onesimus, he left Colossae and went to Rome, this large city, so he could get lost in Rome and wouldn't be found and killed. But it just so happened that whenever Onesimus comes to Rome, that Paul happens to be imprisoned in Rome at that time. And because of God's ordained time in God's sovereignty, he brings Onesimus into relationship with Paul and he hears Paul preach and Onesimus gets saved. He gets redeemed, right? Forgiven and redeemed. And what does Onesimus do? He just begins to serve Paul. He begins to serve the kingdom of God and serve Paul and bless him. And and things are wonderful and they become good friends. But Paul knows the story of Onesimus, and he knows that he's a runaway slave from Colossae, Philemon's home. And so what does Paul do? Paul sends Onesimus back to Colossae, back to Philemon. 
He knows that he's got to be restored, and he's got to make a right relationship with Philemon. All right, so he sends him back with this letter. And this letter is written to Philemon about what has happened to Onesimus. That Onesimus has been saved, that Onesimus has been forgiven, been redeemed, and that Onesimus has now been made useful. This is what it says in verse 10 and 11 of Philemon. Writing to Philemon, I appeal to you for my child, talking about Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, Onesimus, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. Hold on a second. You need to circle those words, useless and useful. You know what the, you know what the name Onesimus meant? The name Onesimus meant useful. <laughs> That's what it means, useful. And basically what he says, whenever Onesimus was with you before Philemon, he couldn't live up to his name. He was useless. Why was he useless? Because he didn't have a relationship with God. He wasn't forgiven. He wasn't redeemed. He wasn't now a new creation. He wasn't serving God in his kingdom. He, he was useless. But he has now come to know Jesus. And Jesus has changed his life. And I'm sending him back to you where once he was useless... Now he is useful. He is able to live out his name. And he's able to be useful to you and to me and to all the kingdom of God. And and Paul is writing Philemon and saying, forgive him. Accept him back. And now he is able to be useful to you and useful to the kingdom of God. How did he become useful? He got saved. (laughs) He got saved, he was redeemed, he was forgiven, he was restored, and now he is useful. Do you know how each of us become useful in the kingdom of God? We get saved. We give our heart to Jesus, and he forgives us of all of our sin, and he redeems us back and makes us a new creation in Christ Jesus and empowers us by the Holy Spirit of God. He makes us useful. That's what Paul tells about Onesimus. But wait a minute. The Apostle Paul knows what that was in his own life, didn't he? For what was Paul's story? Paul's story was that he was zealous for things of God, but not with knowledge. (laughs) He was a Jew, and as a Jew, whenever they heard about Jesus, this one who is the teacher of the way, who is coming and preaching and teaching a new religion, Paul takes it upon himself as a zealot to go out and to destroy the church of God to imprison those believers, to kill those believers, to stop the spread of that gospel of Jesus until he was traveling on a journey to Damascus. And on that road to Damascus, he saw, sees a bright light and he hears the voice of one who speaks to him. And who is that speaking to him? None other than Jesus Christ, the one who had died and resurrected and is the living Christ. And he tells Paul, I have called you. I have called you and I will save you. And he blinds him there on the street. He gets drugged into Damascus. He stays blind for a few days till someone comes and baptizes him. And he is forgiven of his sin and he is made new. He's been redeemed and he has become useful. And from that point on, Paul sets his sight on serving God and serving and honoring the kingdom. Paul knows what it is 
to be made useful. So he says, one thing, it's one thing to be made useful. And everybody must experience that. Where are you today, friend? Are you useful in the kingdom of God? Have you been redeemed? Have you been forgiven? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you let Him make you new? If not, today is the day that you become useful in the kingdom of God by redemption. So, one thing, how are you made useful? By redemption. But Paul's going to teach us something else. He's going to teach us this. Uh, how, how do you stay useful? How, how do you stay useful in the kingdom of God? Because, see, the old devil knows this. That if he can take somebody who is redeemed and been made useful, and he can cause them to have pride build up in their heart and their life, to have pride in their, in their mind and in their spirit, that because of that principle about walking with God, that if they've got pride, God is going to oppose them and resist them and and they're not going to be a blessing to anybody. They're they're not going to be useful in the kingdom because of that pride. So what does old Satan want to do? He wants to take those of us who've been made useful and create that prideful heart within us so that we won't remain useful. And Paul says, you got to stay useful. And how do you stay useful? By a humble heart. By a humble heart. Then he shares his testimony, his story. And basically the story is two parts. He tells you some, this unusual, glorious experience that he has. A blessing that most people will not experience. This unbelievable experience he has. But then he tells you what God had to bring along to keep him from having a prideful heart. Listen here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. That's what he says. First part, here's the testimony of this unusual experience. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. Stop there for just a minute. Some people had said that Paul wasn't really a worthy apostle. He hadn't paid the price. He hadn't really done anything. So over here in in chapter 11, he just enumerates all the stuff that he's done and all the price he's paid. And when he's doing that, he's almost a little bit embarrassed by it, you know, to state his qualifications and the price he paid, a little bit embarrassed by it because he doesn't, he doesn't want to boast about what he's done and how God's used him. So that's why he says here, boasting is necessary to defend his apostleship, though it is not profitable. But he says, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I'm going to tell you something that happened. Now look what he says. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Stop there for just a minute. Whenever he's stating this, he, he, he doesn't even want to say it that this is what happened to me. He says it in third person, I know a man. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. But but he's not wanting to talk about himself. He's wanting to talk about an experience. He's wanting to talk about a privilege. He wants to talk about a blessing, an opportunity. He's sharing a testimony. So so I know about this man, talking about himself, who what? 
He says, I don't know if it happened, what I'm about to tell you. I don't know if it happened in physical form and bodily form that, that God just took this man and, and carried him up to heaven or, or whether or not it was in a vision that this man went to heaven. He said, I, I don't know. God knows. God knows whether it was me physically or, or whether it was me in a vision, but, but I, I go to heaven. <laughs> I go to heaven. He, and I can tell you this, it's, it's so real. It is so real to him. It's like he is there physically. If it's just a dream or a vision, it is like he is there. Now, I know what that's like. I, I'm a dreamer. Do you know? I'm talking about a dreamer at nighttime. I'm, I'm a dreamer at nighttime. I dream all the live long time. I mean, I, I would love to sleep sometime without dreaming. If y'all know how to do that, let me know. I dream, and my dreams are real. I mean, they are as real. My wife, she has some experiences in her life. Because we have discussions going on about my dreams. She says they're not real. And I'm telling her, yes, they are real. This is real. <laughs> and I said, I know you think I'm dreaming. I'm sitting up in bed. I know you think I'm dreaming, but I'm not dreaming. This is real. But it ends up, I keep looking and realize, yeah, no, this is a dream. And I can bring myself. So I know what that's like. Physically or in a vision. I, he says, I don't know which one, but, but God knows. But he says, it's real to me. It's real to me. And he said, this is what happened to me. God took me to the third heaven. Well, what is the third heaven? There are three heavens. The first heaven is, is the atmosphere around us, the air you breathe, the clouds that you see. That's the atmosphere we live in. The second heaven is our universe, those stars out there that are millions of miles away. That's the, that's the second heaven. But the third heaven is where God dwells. It's where God lives. Where is that? I don't know. <laughs> Where is that heaven? But I can't wait to get there. Amen. It's going to be a glorious place. But he says, this third heaven is where God dwells. Now, listen to what it says. I'm talking to you about a man, talking about himself, who in a vision or physically was taken by God into the third heaven. Into the third heaven. Now, I've heard other people say, well, there's nobody goes to heaven and comes back. And nobody did that. Paul did. <laughs> I mean, Paul did, in, in, in his testimony, he said that God took him there, whether in a vision or whether in person, he doesn't know. But, but somehow, some way, he goes to heaven. Now, let's just stop there for just a minute. Y'all pay attention just a minute. Do you think that's a pretty good privilege? You, you know very many people who, who've done that? You heard many stories about that? Not, not very much. So he's talking about something that is an unbelievable blessing. This is what he says he sees in verse 3. And I know how such a man, whether in body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. Here it is. Was caught up into paradise. He goes into paradise. Wow, we've heard about paradise, haven't we? The place of the, of the righteous dead. Who do we know? What's, what's, the famous, what's the famous statement that was made about who do we know who's in paradise? Well, who else? The thief on the cross. Isn't that right? Jesus promised him, today you will be with me in paradise. So I just, I, I've got really inquisitive mind. When I read that, I wanted to know, I wonder, I wonder if Paul saw that old thief up there. 
When he, when he went to paradise, I wonder if he saw the thief because we know one thing, that thief is in paradise because Jesus said he's going to be with him in paradise and Jesus had already died, resurrected, and Jesus was already there and so would have the thief been. And, and, and all the righteous who have died in that place called paradise. He says, I was taken to paradise. What a privilege. You think that might make a difference in your walk? You think that might make a difference in your life? You think you might see things differently in the world whenever you've been to paradise? What a privilege. That's not all he said, though. Look, verse 4. Was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words. Inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. He said, I had conversation with God. I had a conversation with God, and God told me things, things that he does not allow me to speak. Things that he does not allow me to speak. That's not the first time that that's happened. You you remember Daniel was given visions and truths that that he wasn't allowed to write down or speak. You remember that? And, And so there are those times. God gave conversation with Paul helping him to understand these inexpressible words, these truths that he can't tell anybody else. Do, do you, does that kind of give you a little bit of a, a, a hint of why the Apostle Paul was willing to do what he did? I mean, why he was willing to go to prison, and it was with all joy he'd go to prison. He'd take beatings. He'd be stoned. He'd be shipwrecked. He'd do all those things, but none of those things were going to deter him from serving God and pursuing the kingdom of God and waiting for paradise one day. It wasn't going to bother him. You know why? Because of what he saw, because of what he heard, because of what he experienced, because of how real it was to him. What a privilege. What a privilege. And the apostle Paul is is saying to each of us, listen, I want you to know this. This is the testimony I'm telling you. I want you to understand, God gave me an opportunity. God gave me a blessing. God poured on me some things that are just unusual. God did that for me. Look what he says in verse 5. On behalf of such a man will I boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast. You know what he's basically saying? I'm going to praise God that God let some man see that. I'm going to praise God that God let some man see it. Not necessarily that he let me see it. I'm I'm unworthy that he would let me see it. But but I'm just going to praise God that he would let somebody see it and somebody tell it and somebody bear testimony that there is a paradise. And I'm just thankful that God let somebody see it. Kind of reminds you of, of John the Baptist when they asked John, said, John, who are you? Some people say that you're Elijah. Some people say you're the prophet. Some people may think you're the Messiah. Who are you? And, 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 and what did John say? John said, I'm a nobody. I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. What, what did John say? I'm a nobody. It's not me. What's important is him. What's important, what he's called me to do. What's important, he allowed me this opportunity. It's exactly what Paul's saying. It's not me. 
I'm not boasting because of me. I, I, I'm boasting the fact and, and excited that he would let somebody, even me, experience that, what I experienced. We'll come back to the rest of 5 and 6 because that's the summation of what he's going to teach us. That'll be next week, all right? We'll come back to that. But he shares this glorious testimony with us about what, what has happened. And it, it, I don't know about you. Whenever I hear that, does it ever creep into your mind Said, boy, I wish I could see that? You ever thought about that? Man, I tell you what, I, I, wish, I wish I could see that. I wish I could go to paradise. I wish I could see what heaven was like. I wish I could hear those inexpressible words. I, I'd like to have that happen to me. Now, wait a minute. Write down in your notes, be careful. Be careful. Because this is what Paul's going to teach us. Paul's going to help us to know this, that whenever God blesses you on one side, and he gives you privileges on one side, and opportunities on one side, That God is going to turn around and he is going to bring and allow things to come into your life on the other side to keep you from exalting yourself. Keep you from being full of pride and to keep you from becoming useless. So hold on a second. Before you say that you want to go to the third heaven and you want to have that privilege of seeing paradise and hearing those inexpressible words, let's... Let Paul tell us the rest of the story. What's the rest of the story? We'll introduce it in verse 7. That's what it says. And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, becoming useless. That's what he's saying. To keep me from exalting myself... There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Here it is. To keep me from exalting myself. What did he say? To balance it out. To keep me from being full of pride. To keep me from being useless. In God's kingdom because of my pride. God gave to me a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Listen to me. Do you really want that privilege of paradise? If you're going to also have to carry the thorn in the flesh. Do you want that glorious experience that others haven't had? When you know that the only way that you can have that and to keep you humble is that God has to bring about a thorn in your flesh. And and that thorn's not fun, I'm telling you. We'll talk more about that. Thorn is not fun. I mean, what do you say? A messenger of Satan to buffet me to buffet me when I want to get exalted when I want to be full of pride 
That old thorn in the flesh comes and buffets me to keep me humble. To keep me humble. For see, God doesn't only want to make you useful. He wants to keep you useful. He wants to keep you useful all the days of your life. So whenever you in your life see yourself having privileges and opportunities and those things that would cause you to be exalted or cause you to exalt yourself or cause you to be boastful about things, be very careful because the same God who would give you the privileges and opportunity is the same God who's going to allow some things to come into your life that's going to keep you humble and keep you useful. Our problem is we only want to shop in one of those lines. Right? We want all those blessings, all those opportunities, all those good things. But we fail to realize that sometimes those difficult things, those hard things, those painful things are serving a purpose to keep us humble. To keep us useful. And Paul is going to say this, that what I learned to glory in is my suffering. I learned to glory in the persecutions. I, I learned to glory in those things that nobody wants because I realize that it's through those things that I have remained useful. For it is those things that have caused me to be humble. So in your life and in my life, we're going to have blessings, maybe not like Paul's, but we can learn from Paul. We're going to have blessings and opportunities, but we're also going to have difficulties and challenges and hardships and those things that come our way. And those things are just as much in God's purpose for us as the blessings. Because we've got a job to do and we've got a work to accomplish. And, and in order for God's kingdom to be advanced, in order for us to fulfill our purpose, we've got to stay useful. And we've got to allow the Lord to keep us useful. To keep us useful. Now, the Apostle Paul is going to teach us next week, what do you do? What do you do with a thorn in the flesh? What do you do with it? What do you do with it before God? What do you allow for it to do in your own life? So that it doesn't overwhelm you, but it keeps you in that place of usefulness. What do you do? How do you handle it? He's going to teach us about that. What I want you to get this week is, is this. Listen. It's one thing to be made useful it's another thing to stay useful. And for every blessing, for every good thing, there's something that may come in your life that may buffet you, may bring some hardship or heartache in your life. And all of those are God's purposes and God's plans to keep you useful, to keep you useful. So I hope it will open our minds and our hearts up to what's going on in life. Because God wants us to walk with him 
And the only way we can walk with him is by humility of heart. We get prideful. We're not going to be walking with God. God's going to oppose us. You think God thinks it's more important for you to be happy or for you to be humble? Let me help you with that. Humble. Because <laughs> that way you walk with him. Amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.